Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast in association with Future Radio. My name's Connor Southwell, and we're going to be chatting through all of the vast amounts of Norwich City topics that are out there at this moment in time in what is a World Cup break. And joining us to uh, chat through them is my colleague, Adam Harvey. And we've also uh, drafted in along come Norwich's John Punt, who signed on an emergency loan uh, earlier this morning to replace uh, Mr. Davitt. So big shoes, John, for you to fill on this uh, on this podcast. Good, Good to see you. Huge shoes, uh, huge shoes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a um, regular listener and I'm uh, always a big fan of Paddy's thoughts. So um, I'll do my best. I was going to get you to do a Paddy Davitt impression, but probably probably uh, rest that apart. That, no, that no, my, my Midlands accent is nowhere near up to it. So uh, no, let's, let's skip that. Well, uh, I can't remember who it was. Someone told, I don't know, Adam might remember. Someone told him he sounded like Sean Dyche. And it can't, It turns out that they're, they're from relatively similar parts of the country. I think Sean Dyche is Kettering and he's Cov. So I don't think they're a million miles apart, but uh, I don't I don't hear that one myself. But good to have you, John, anyway. Uh, Adam, how are you? How are you enjoying the World Cup? How, I mean, you've been on a little bit of a trip around Europe, haven't you? So talk us through that. How's that been? I think that was how we ended the, the utter shambles that was the last podcast. Yeah, it was a bit of a shambolic end to the last podcast, but a much more enjoyable experience last week. Yeah, it was quite interesting watching the World Cup in, in countries where you know, their team was playing. So I was in Belgium when Belgium were playing the other the other day and all the, the shops were shut and, and the pubs were all closed and basically they sort of go on a, a day break and all enjoy the football. Um, it was a very interesting experience. The Netherlands was a little bit more relaxed. They uh, sailed through and that was the Ecuador game I think I was watching there. So... Yeah, watched England in those countries as well. So that was an interesting experience. Amsterdam was full of uh, England fans on Friday night. So it's probably one of the better atmospheres I've experienced so far in the World Cup. But um, enjoyed last night's game a little bit more than I probably did uh, Friday night's game against the USA. That was a, a really difficult watch. Felt more like watching Norwich that one. So quite nice to, to see the win last night and, and England back on track. And hopefully they can do well on Sunday against against Senegal. Yeah, Belgium, the Netherlands, you are the most cultured man I think I've ever met. Um, certainly the, the most cultured one of our team, that's for sure. But that's not that's probably not saying much. Um, it doesn't sound too much of a compliment to you. John, how, how are you How are you finding this break? I guess the obvious question to ask is, are you missing Norwich City? Because from what I can see and what I've read, and obviously really only social media is a way to use this, I'm sure there will be a wider range of opinions, but it doesn't feel like too many people are missing championship action and certainly Norwich City. Is, is that fair? How do you feel on it? Oh, I'm a, I am always like absolutely always a club over country man. So I, I really thought that I would I would miss it like a you know like a right limb really. But I don't know. It it just been. Don't want to use the word abject because it hasn't been abject, but it's just been so meh for some time. You know, like actually, the lack of connection that that we've probably got with this football club at the moment just has has meant that. No, I haven't missed it as, as much as I thought I would have done. And, and I know we're going to come on to talk about the um, the women's, um, Norwich City women's match at the weekend. But actually, you know, I, I used that as my football fix this weekend and it, and it was fabulous for all the reason, you know, kind of for, for the complete opposite reasons why I feel disconnected from the, from the men's team and the club at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I'm disengaged from the World Cup as well. I think you know I'm I'm not watching as many matches as I usually would for for the obvious reasons that I'm sure you guys have covered on the on the pod before. So I'm really only taking in England games. You know, I've, I've watched a little bit of Josh Sargent, and um, and that's pretty much been about it. It's it's just a strange time, isn't it? A really really strange time. Yeah, I've um, 
I've kind of had the World Cup on in the background, but I haven't found myself engaging with it as much as other World Cups. I don't know if that's because, like you say, some of the issues that surround it, whether that's because of the timing and where it is in, in the year. I don't know. It just doesn't – it still has that feeling that it doesn't really feel right, whether it will as we get to the knockout stages and perhaps the, the quality of the games in, in, increase and improve. I, I don't know. There's not been a lot of quality in, in a lot of games that I've seen. Um, perhaps, you know, as, as Adam mentioned, that, that England-USA one, I don't know if that's been the worst, but it's definitely been up there. How, how are you finding the World Cup? Adam, because obviously it is a pause from Norwich City. It's not something that we're used to in the middle of November, where we, we, we're usually talking about busy schedules heading into Christmas and this being the, the real crux of a, of a season. We're not we're not having that this, this year. So, so what's it been like for you the last couple of weeks? And obviously we've got a couple more before we all reconvene at Swansea. Yeah, I'm like you guys, not really seeing a lot of it apart from England. Um, obviously I was away last week, so I was sort of busy travelling around when a lot of the games were on. But um, usually I try and watch as many games as possible. But the quality, as you've already alluded to, incredibly poor. I think teams like Belgium have just been so difficult to watch. I think a lot of the ageing squads and, and the fact that they're suffering from already playing a lot of games so far this season it is probably a, a factor in that. But yeah, I think even on an England front, it just doesn't feel the same, that kind of summer vibe you usually get from a World Cup and everyone's sort of yearning for football to come back. And the fact that we've sort of had a, a stint of 21 Norwich City games so far this season and, and then suddenly you've got a World Cup and you're kind of waiting for Norwich to come back, but you also maybe don't want Norwich to come back based on what we've seen so far this season. So it's a, it's been a difficult, difficult balance, but I think I probably I enjoyed the England game last night, probably the most of any game I've watched so far. Obviously the fact it's England and you want them to do well, despite the fact that it's, you know, they've obviously done quite well in tournaments in recent years, but I think the football they played last night was a, a lot more attacking and a lot more, you know, progressive and, and probably the best we've seen so far in the tournament, despite the, the 6-2 win over Iran. So, yeah, but strange, it's been a strange tournament. I've not really felt that interested in it, not really felt engaged in it. I think I probably felt more engaged in, in Belgium, watching it with the Belgian fans than I probably did watching England last night with, with England fans. So, uh, yeah, it's been a strange one, but hopefully, as you say, when the sort of finals come around and we sort of get the bigger and better games you know England may be facing up against a, a sort of France that might be a little bit more tasty and maybe I'll get a little bit more sort of on the World Cup fever boat then Absolutely Jude Bellingham player I think that's that's, that's basically not you know it's not a revelatory statement he was beforehand but uh, he's going to be some player that lad and I would be very surprised if he's still at Borussia Dortmund this time next year it, it, it is it is a strange tournament uh, it, it tends to feel like we have that kind of free four week build up to a World Cup usually and we just haven't had that it was kind of oh the season's finished oh and then Qatar are playing Ecuador on, on this Sunday and, and that's the World Cup beginning there was no kind of build up or um, excitement or time I guess to 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 breathe between the season pausing and the World Cup starting. It's all felt very frenetic, as has a lot of this season. One, I guess, highlight for, for Norwich fans, John, is is Josh Sargent. He's, he's going to be there a little bit longer. The USA are through. Um, they, you know, two draws and a win. So they, 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 They've maybe gone about it in, a, in an interesting way. Maybe not been the, the best team to watch at the tournament so far, but job done. And, and Josh is staying in Qatar for a little bit longer. Is is, is that good news? Bad news for Norwich City? Obviously, we'll come on to the injury in a, in, a, in a moment. But just the fact that he's going to be away from from the squad. If we're putting a purely Norwich City hat on, I guess that's probably a negative, isn't it? Uh, yeah, but I mean, you have to be immensely pleased for that lad. Yeah, you know, that that guy. He walks around with his smile on his face all the time. Pretty much last season when he, you know, he experienced a fair bit of adversity. Actually, his attitude towards his football, you know, the fact that he kept coming back, he was being played out of position, but you know, he continually put a shift in for the team, um, despite having moments where perhaps his his quality was being questioned. 
this is a guy that you've just got to be really, really happy for. This is what World Cup stories are about, you know, kind of the, the fact that, you know, he can be playing at Championship Norwich City and, and yet featuring on, on the world's biggest stage. And I think he's acquitted himself pretty well. I know that there was a few detractors from his, his performance in the first game, but actually I I felt like that wasn't him. It was his teammates that were failing to find him. But he he's linked the play really well. You know, he's he's just... And I think he maybe typifies this American team as well, is that he's athletic, he works hard, you know, he's organised in terms of the business that he's doing and the team have certainly been organised. As you say, Connor, they haven't been the best team to watch, but they've probably been the fittest team and the most athletic team that I think I've seen at the tournament. And and actually that goes a long way in international football, you know, if you can remain compact, because this tournament more than any other that's preceded it, it is going to be built on teams being organised because actually there's a lot of of sides who just haven't got into their rhythm yet, and they might not get into their rhythm because they haven't had a you know a number of um, friendlies before the tournament, and they they haven't just been able to click. So I think you know they they may well stand a real chance of progressing in the next round. And you, you talk about his injury, you know I've seen some a friend was um, nice enough to send me some scenes of the post match celebrations. I think he looks fine. I think he'll he'll be there for the last sixteen game. He um he had a big smile on his face and he was he was limping, but it wasn't the kind of limp that you look at and you think that's that's a real concern. Yeah, reports today we're recording this on what day is it today? Wednesday, isn't it? Um, and reports say that, that he's going to head for a scan before Saturday's game. I, I I'm like you, I'd be really really shocked if he if he doesn't make him or do everything that he possibly can to make himself fit and available for that game against the Netherlands on Saturday. Um. Played played quite well, didn't he? By all accounts, I must admit I wasn't watching that game, but certainly the the eyewitness reports that, that I've had is, is is that he played quite well. So that's good. Started two of the the three games. It's, it's really good for him, Adam, isn't it? And and as John's outlined there, particularly when you look at his Norwich City career and, and and kind of the trajectory and the ups and downs within that, he really forced his way into the squad because of his form and, and because of his performances. He made it impossible not for uh, impossible, sorry for for Greg. But Holter not to include him in the squad. And actually, from again, kind of what I'm reading from US fans, and I'm sure people will, will be in touch to tell us if, if we're wrong, it feels like at this moment in time, he is certainly for the, for the style of football they're trying to play with, um, with, with wear off him. That seems to be what a lot of them are saying is, is their best partnership at this moment in time. Yeah, I thought the US boss done a little bit of a disservice to him before the tournament, saying that they only really selected him based on the fact that he's, he's playing in the English divisions. He knows England and Wales and a lot of the players from the Premier League and the Championship. But I actually felt quite frustrated for him in the in the opening game. You know, he made some really, really nice runs and I felt that maybe the US squad in general weren't sort of utilising that to, to his best ability. But by all accounts, the other, uh, last night he was, uh, seemed to be getting a, a lot of praise and I think a lot of the sort of skills and attributes we've seen so far from him this season and his sort of natural goal scoring prowess is was maybe on on show last night so really pleased for him because he's deserved it you know from effectively last season where I think a lot of people were writing him off and that eight million pound tag was weighing quite heavy around his neck and you know obviously when you ended well when you're in Norwich City you know player and you sign for eight million pounds there's a lot of expectation that comes with that and he's a young man people forget you know he's only what 22 still at the, the moment so he's adapting from living in Germany as well to come, you know, coming to, to live in Norwich, which is very, very different. So really pleased that this season he's sort of kicking on and, you know, hopefully second half of the season, providing this uh, injury isn't as bad as, you know, isn't bad um, that he can kick on again and score, you know, because he's still, what, joined top of the, the goal scoring ranks in the championship as well. So, yeah, very positive at the moment for him. He's had a documentary about him, John. Was, uh, have you, I presume you've watched it. 
I, I haven't watched it, no. So, so I can't offer any kind of meaningful insight into that, I'm afraid. I've watched about the first five minutes. So usually with these YouTube documentaries, and, and very much like the Pink and Podcast as well, um, there'll be a little companion whilst I'm doing the washing up, and I'll kind of set it on the windowsill. And I got five minutes in, and then I think something happened. A, a child wanted feeding or you know, some, something um, distracted me, and I haven't gone back to it yet that's that's fair enough i i haven't got round to it yet adam let's hopefully you've watched it because if you haven't then we're in real trouble yeah i wasn't um in the good books with my girlfriend when i spent an hour of our holiday watching it so um yeah i, I have watched <laughs> it it was um i don't know i felt like when i saw it was an hour and 12 minutes i thought oh, i don't think i'm gonna be watching all of this but once i got into it quite enjoyed it there was a lot of backstories from sort of moving from from the us at only 16 years of age and, and going to germany where obviously it's so different and the fact that he had to wait two years to actually be able to get into the, the first team picture to be able to get an opportunity, you know, the way he had to work for that. And the fact that he was sort of one of these American players that that was scouted from German club and, and brought to them. And the reasons why he was brought to Norwich as well were kind of documented as well. You know, sort of the fact that his maybe stats and metrics were so high, but the fact that, you know, he's maybe had to maybe work on that goal scoring element of, it, of his game which I think you know we've always can sort well, we can all see his, his touch is very good and he's you know a very different striker from what we've had before and yeah really enjoyed it actually in the end really thought there was some some really nice sort of bits with his old coaches in the US as well so definitely worth a watch um, and definitely one of the club's better pieces of content so far this year. Good stuff I will get around to it at some point probably um, I think we we are we this is the the halfway point isn't it in this World Cup break I think today is if I've got my maths right, which I possibly haven't, but I'm pretty sure that's the halfway stage. Um, it's, I mean, the club have spent the last week in, in Tampa, John. There was a, a little clip again of Dean Smith on Club Channel speaking about the trip, um, which, uh, you know, we don't know too much about, let's be honest. But he, he said about how frustrated he, he had been. He he'd made that the players fully aware of that. He spoke about how they've been working on counter-pressing, finishing, physicality, creativity, Anything else that you'd like to see on that list for them to work on? Because that's quite a long list, isn't it? It is a long list. Do you know what? I think for me, it's the speed of play. It's the urgency with which Norwich go about their business because there's, look, we talk about it all the time. There's 20 minute pockets of excellence. And that is generally when Norwich are either pressing the ball quicker or they are moving the ball quicker. I don't think it's any coincidence that when Norwich start to do that with the, the quality of the squad that we possess, you know, we should be a match or beating, you know, nearly every team in this division. And it just feels like we haven't been able to do that for, you know, kind of with any kind of regularity or, or for any kind of 90 minute performance. And I don't like, I don't think for, you know, in any shape or form that Norwich are going to blow teams away, maybe like we did against Huddersfield, you know, 7-0 a couple of seasons ago. I, I'm not expecting a 90 minute performance, which is complete dominance. But I'm expecting um, performances that across 90 minutes show that, you know, that, that we're actually on it and that we're actually engaged. And, and that's the bit that concerns me is the urgency and the concentration. And the, and some of that, I think, stems from leadership on the pitch. And Dean Smith has talked quite a bit about letting his players work it out themselves and come up with, you know, kind of match day plan, plans themselves that, that they're going to execute. And they're not really able to do it at the moment you know kind of in elongated periods that's the bit that I think needs to change and if and when that does change I'd be relatively confident that that we could safely you know kind of ensconce ourselves within the, t the top six whether we can go any higher than that I don't know but if we can't 
I don't really know where this season finishes. I think we'll just bob along anywhere between fourth and twelfth. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me, um, you know, to finish in, within the lower end of that because it just feels something feels off. And I, I, I don't think anyone can really truly put their finger on what that might be. But I don't know. Dean Smith's had a year to find the answer and, and he's, he's not close to it yet. It's it's inter- yeah it, it is interesting for, certainly from what I've seen in the opening portion of the season I think I've said this before I I'm not looking at this team and thinking yeah that's a team that's going to be challenging for automatic promotion let alone be in the in the top two particularly when you look at Burnley Sheffield United Watford who who I think are on the surge a little bit but it's, it's interesting what you say there about that point around game plans and probably leadership within that because. Is it possible to do that and have players orchestrating the game plan and, and speaking about that in depth without having leaders? Do you kind of need the two, if, if you kind of get my question? Yeah, no, I, I completely get what you're saying. And this is the thing, I think we've got leaders within the football club. You know, you look at the likes of Kenny McLean, uh, Grant Hanley, Tim Krull. I think Angus Gunn actually steps up and is is really vocal. Um, you know, Timo Puki is is a silent leader on the pitch. You know, kind of, I think the way in which he goes about his business and sets an example for players around him is is really really good. So, I'm not necessarily sure it's the absence of leaders. I think it's maybe the absence of leaders stepping up. And I don't know whether that comes down to culture, and it comes down to us, you know, kind of embedding a culture within the football club, which means that you know leaders do step up on the pitch and they are accountable for their actions and they do take responsibility. And I think that's what Dean Smith is trying to. You know, he's trying to get them to a place where that happens. Just don't think it's happened anywhere near as effectively or quickly enough as as anyone would have liked. And you know, it was interesting that some of the content that the club put out around um, Kenny's new contract was, you know, Kenny speaking to Grant. You know, the two two lads that I just mentioned there that you know you would absolutely expect to be spearheading us towards, you know, the Premier League again. And they were both pretty candid that it hasn't been good enough so far and and they acknowledge that something needs to change so I don't know does it come from within the players or does it come from within a culture of you know kind of allowing those players to to flourish and thrive and to step up as leaders and I think for me it's probably the latter now it, it is interesting I've seen this point raised on on social media before Adam about how a lot of Norwich City's leaders have been there for quite a period of time they've they've been on that roller coaster they've been up twice some of them they've been down twice some of them does that create a tiredness in in your view? Does does the, you need, do you need a refresh of that leadership group every every now and again? I guess we're kind of leaning into Kenny McLean's contract here as well because you've got someone there who is a leader who has been on that roller coaster and is is now set to stay until twenty twenty five unless of course there's, there's a transfer out of the club at any stage. So, do you see that conversation around the leadership group and and maybe the players within it and their longevity and what they've been through at the club having an impact on what John has spoken about there in terms of culture? Yeah, I do. I think a lot of it as well boils down to the hunger of these players and the desire that maybe the sort of appeal of the Premier League isn't as ludicrous as it was when, when they first arrived at the club. And maybe that sort of new leader coming into the group, I mean, Grant Holt's probably a, a great example and someone they brought in and suddenly the club just transformed and he was kind of this leader on the pitch straight away in League One. And it felt like that he kind of carried them through sort of a difficult start and eventually obviously it led to led to promotion and the title. So maybe a new leader was something that the club should have identified 
in the summer as something that maybe they needed to bring in. I mean, obviously, Tim Krull's sort of been drafted onto the bench in recent weeks and Grant Hanley's and Kenny McLean are always in for criticism, at, sometimes unfairly, I think, as well. But both of them have come in for heavy criticism at different points this season. And maybe that's transpired to, to them as well, that criticism personally, that maybe it's their sort of leadership skills aren't as strong as they have been in previous championship seasons. So, yeah, I think that's probably an element of um, one, maybe the hunger and desire and the sort of period of time they've been at the club now, it, it, maybe that sort of ability to be a leader has sort of diminished over, over season. So I do think that summer was probably an opportunity where Norwich maybe missed, uh, missed the boat to be able to bring in someone else that could have maybe revitalised as well, sort of had a connection with the fans, a new cult hero that maybe they haven't sort of got at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to say at this stage of the season how it's gone so far, but it does feel increasingly like they probably needed a bigger re- refresh than perhaps they've given the squad. And there's reasons, obviously, why, why, why they haven't done that naturally. Um, so so that, I've leaned into Kenny McLean's contract, John. So let's let's go on that further. I mean, he's a, a figure that splits opinion. I think that's maybe being or underplaying it and, and, and maybe uh, being kind about it. What, what what did you make as, as an Norwich City fan of him signing a new contract at the club? Do you feel that was a, a right move? He's obviously one of this kind of group of eight, that uh, eight now was nine, out of contract at the end of the season. Maybe that great, great reset that we're talking about is kind of further down the track. Yeah, maybe. The thing is with, with Kenny McLean is, look, I'm not one of his biggest detractors, but nor am I one of his biggest fans. I, I, I'm pretty mixed on, on Kenny. I think that as a championship performer, He's fairly dependable. I think in terms of his skill set, he's reasonably good at most things and doesn't excel at anything. And that might be me re- being really harsh on him or it might be me being really kind to him. I'm not sure, what, you know, kind of which way that you skin that. But, you know, he's a he's a competent footballer. He's someone whose energy is pretty decent. His range of passing is good. He's decent in the air. Um, but he doesn't he doesn't excite you. He doesn't, you know, kind of get you off your seat. And I'm not saying you need that from from every footballer that that plays in your first eleven or in your squad, but I think I don't know. All great teams for me are you know kind of based off people who excel at things. So you know you can look at Grant Hanley and and it's really obvious you know where where he excels. You know it's it's going to be in the air. You're going to look at Timmy Puki. It's it's finishing. If you, we go back to someone like Emi Buendia, you know look we know the creativity he possesses. Kenny just isn't brilliant at anything. And I think that's my concern with him is that although you do need dependable performers in there, his his best moments in a Norwich shirt have probably been that run at the end of 18-19 when, you know, he chipped in with a few goals, but more so actually when he, he looked his best was alongside Ollie Skip. And that was, I think, possibly because Ollie Skip was just so competent at absolutely everything that, you know, maybe you or I could have slotted in alongside Ollie Skip and, and looks half half decent. You know, it's so I don't really want to um completely get on Kenny's back because look, this is a guy that's put his heart and soul into this football club. He looks happy here. Um, you know, he always works hard for the team and and that's where I think sometimes he, you know, people do him a bit of a disservice because, you know, he's he's been perfectly serviceable, but nothing more. And I and I think that's the concern for me is if Norwich want to to have that reset or to kick on, I think we'd maybe be looking at a bit more from the midfield engine room. And and that's why it surprised me a little bit, because we have tried to reset reset the, the midfield engine room um this transfer window or the transfer window just gone in so much as we brought in Isaac Hayden, who might be another one of those leaders that that we were talking about. You know, he, he's someone who I think could probably step into that leadership group 
and influence the players around him. But you've also got Marcelino Nunez and you've got Gabi Sara, all of whom have started to add value. So if they're the future of the football club, and we kind of expect that, that they will be, I'm not quite sure where Kenny fits into that. Yeah, it's, it's interesting what you say. I mean, the, the, the point about him maybe not being as easily defined as other midfielders. I actually think you can use 18-19 as perhaps a really good example of that, where Norwich had Mario Vrancic, Moritz Leitner as, as the ball players, so to speak. They had Alex Tetti and, and Tom Tribal as, as the ball winners, although I wouldn't necessarily stick Tom Tribal in that category. And you kind of have McLean stuck in the middle of those two camps. And as a result, he did struggle to get in the team. And obviously he had an injury um, in that period as well. Ollie Skip, I think you're right, is the sort of player who kind of elevated anyone's levels who, who played alongside him. Um, the, the way I see it is, I guess from what you've spoken about there, if, if Marcelino Nunez and Gabi Sara are what Norwich consider to be their future midfield options going forward, then you've got someone dependable, reliable, who knows the leagues who's, who's not going to kick off if he's uh, if he's not in the side I guess it, it makes sense on that on that uh, from that perspective but does it make more sense to have I don't know a younger option an academy option pushing through in that in that situation I guess people can can only be the judge for themselves and, and actually I suppose they, they will have wanted uh, a bit more to retain a bit more experience in what everyone says is uh, is a young squad I'm not quite sure it's as young as anymore as, as it's made out to be at times but um that's that's uh, that's certainly a, a view Adam what, what are your views on on Kenny McLean because I, I I feel I feel the criticism is is over the top I, I can't I get it I do get it but I, I think in it, a lot of the time it's it's over the top um I think he's he's fine is, is the way I would describe him I don't think he's he's excellent I don't think he's really really poor I think he's fine um but is is fine good enough to get promoted from the championship I guess that's that's probably the question isn't it yeah, I think if you accept Kenny McLean for what he is, a, a six or seven out of ten every week in the championship, then you can probably appreciate that he's a, a decent midfielder option for, for Norwich. But fundamentally, if they want to get back to the Premier League, he's not a Premier League, Premier League operator. We've seen that in the, in the last two times they've been in there. So I think Norwich have got to look at that area as somewhere they've got to, if they want to push back to the Premier League, they've got to target someone new in that area. I mean... You know, he's he's been a decent player for the club. I think, you know, sort of that you sort of spoke about the back end of the eighteen nineteen season where he scored some quite crucial goals in, in big games. And obviously there's the Man City header as well, which is quite a memorable moment. But for me personally, I don't really have that emotional attachment to Kenny McLean that maybe I had to a, a Mario Vrancic or Tom Tribal, someone that maybe got the fans up when they'd done something a little bit special. Kenny McLean's never really done anything what I deem special in a Norwich City shirt, and that, that's maybe a little bit critical, but He's just a, he's just a good championship midfielder. That's what he is, and I, I enjoy watching him play at different points. But then I get quite frustrated as well because I think there's times in games where maybe he's not fully switched on and he makes a silly mistake, and that just you know gets the fans to on on his back even more than, than maybe he needs them to be. So yeah, he's he's a he's one that divides opinion. I'm not I'm not Sam Seaman who you know thinks he's the best thing since sliced bread and, and the Norfolk Pirlo, but um, I certainly don't view him as one of the sort of worst players to, to ever pull on a Norwich City shirt because you wouldn't you know be that if you've played what 160 odd games for the club now yeah yeah um yeah I, I, I completely I completely agree and it's interesting because actually um if you if you watch him when he does make a mistake he does this very interesting hop I don't know if anyone's seen it but uh if he gives the ball it's kind of a, a hot sometimes the arms go up as well it's, it's a, a very panicked kind of expression but it, it happens nearly every time he makes a mistake look out for that it's 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 quite funny not not when he's I don't know put the ball across his own goal and it leads to an equalizer but um when when it's let off you can laugh about it afterwards um John, I suppose this this leads us nicely because we, we've spoken about uh, the 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 first team and, and where they're at. 
to to move on to speak about the women's team because that that's a completely different shift in mood. Now I, we were both at the game on on Sunday. You you, got, you get to Denest a lot more regularly than than I do. I'd obviously like to get down there more. It becomes a little bit difficult when um, Norwich have played on a Saturday and and obviously you have work on on Sunday in terms of content flow, um, but that's a completely different shift in and, and I felt a completely different mood actually around that that place I went towards the end of last season I can't remember the exact game I think they lost and lost quite heavily um and it was before they they completed a great escape to stay in that in, in that in that division this year they've obviously continued that momentum added a few faces but for for large parts of it they're, they're the same group of players and the same coach as well they're having a much more successful season it, this was an FA Cup second round game um, against Sutton Coldfield who were who a level below them but but gave them a really tough tough game Sean Howe said after the game that he felt they were kind of on a par in terms of the, the level of football that maybe they should be at it's it, I mean what have you seen first and foremost this season from the women have you seen that change of atmosphere be something that's quite gradual or, or is, has it been kind of recognisable sort of leading into the season I think so. I've seen, I've caught quite a lot of the um, the women's team this season, and and you know, I'd I'd implore anyone to get up to the nest. I think it's the the thing to say first and foremost it, because it is a really nice vibe up there now, and and especially if you're taking your family to football, actually the way in which they're engaging with youngsters, the way in which you know the the players as well embrace the fans. You know, it, it again, you know, I talked about culture a, a while back, but it feels like they are building a culture, and I I hate. Um, harking back to the Daniel Farker era under, you know, kind of under Stuart Weber and, and Farker, and, but because actually I think everyone's moved on from that now and, and we probably should just ban saying his name, but something feels quite similar, um, you know, in so much as actually look, you had Sean Howes is, is a coach who I think by his own admission probably struggled with that team a little bit during the first season that he was trying to put something together, but continued to believe in what he was trying to put together with those players and the players continued to buy into what he was trying to do as well which I think is really interesting because you know you saw the match on Sunday they play out from the back they play football in the right way and you know it's a really progressive um, way to to try and get out of that division you know that Sutton Coldfield were fairly agricultural in some of the challenges they were putting in they were trying to disrupt play but Norwich stuck to their beliefs and they had a, a difficult first half and one where actually they were probably fairly behind at the break um, or, you know, maybe it could have been even, but, you know, they, they didn't really take advantage of of their own attributes. And then second half, they came out and it was almost, again, you know, a Daniel Farker kind of late performance, late goals driven on by, you know, some really capable midfielders. And I really like what what Norwich have done this season with the women's setup is they've gone out and they've recruited basically the top talent from the region so you, know, you look at someone like katie knights she's come in from from Wyndham town she was were, brilliant by the way on, yeah on and, Sunday, she, and she is an absolute baller you know like every time i've seen her she's been absolutely fantastic so they've recruited her from Wyndham. they've recruited rebecca russell from Wyndham. they were you know kind of two massive parts of, of Wyndham's promotion and and you know cup victory county cup victory last season um they've brought in um, a girl at the back i think it's kerry fly her name is really impressive you know kind of actually the way in which she times the tackles for someone who's I think she's only 19 years of age you know is, is absolutely fantastic um you know and there's been some other notable additions as well Alice Parker has been brought back to the football club after a, a period away it just all feels like they're doing things in the right way they're playing football in the right way and the celebrations that you saw afterwards after those two late penalties that that Megan Todd um you know kind of scored 
at the end of the game just typified everything about the the passion and the commitment you know and then the vibe that 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 club um or the you know the women's team is is building right now it just felt completely at odds with with everything that's happened at Carrow Road and it was definitely I've in, I enjoyed that football match as a spectacle more than any other that I've I've seen this season and um yeah it's it's a real pleasure to watch them on their journey and I you know I know they've got quite a tricky cup draw for the third round Burnley away which isn't going to be an easy place to go but actually if they you know if they believe in themselves if they play with the kind of spirit that they've displayed this season already um these girls can go really really far yeah I, I don't want to do them a disservice by by making a comparison but I know there are a lot of Norwich fans who are feeling rather nostalgic because of of, of this of this season and are yearning for perhaps a different style of football or something more philosophical or, or maybe um, want to hark back to, to yesteryear. Um, I'm not allowed to say his name because John's banned it, but to a certain head coach. But actually, you go to the nest and you watch that football team. It's like, it's uh, the best way I can describe it is almost like putting on a comfy pair of old slippers. It's like, oh yeah, okay, this is, this is what enjoyable football looks and feels like. And I'm totally with you. I mean, um, just just from a purely take the the Norwich hat off just from a purely footballing perspective there's been very few games watching Norwich City this season that you think oh blimey that was that was really good to watch and I came away from the nest on 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 Sunday thinking exactly that it was it was a wonderful cup tie it was a a team who uh, you know you, d- you describe them as, as agriculture I think that's fair but also it was a, they were very disruptive they were trying to disrupt what Norwich were, were doing it was a really interesting cup tie Norwich had setbacks they had to respond to different kind of adversities um, and yet they did it sort of whilst maintaining their principles and while sticking to their their guns as you mentioned it was um it was really really enjoyable and actually those those penalties late on um felt deserved i felt actually on the balance of their second half performance but the way it got the the crowd up and there was what over 340 people there which i, I think is their second highest attendance of the season obviously they're, yeah. they're hoping to grow that further um i think the, the first game of the season wasn't it is, is there only is there any highest attendance than, than that and i saw young kids girls and boys um watching that game in awe and and in awe of those players playing it was it, it's it's really wonderful john isn't it i'm sure uh, you you've got you've got youngsters yourself i'd imagine they they feel the same when they go to the nest yeah, we were stood right behind the goal for the um for Megan's penalties, and I can say with absolute confidence, had there not been a net, it probably would have taken my ten year old's face off. You know, it was you know she she dispatched it with such a plomb. But actually, then to see her, and you know, we took one of her friends to to watch the match as well, to see their faces, you know, as those players were were celebrating right in front of them, you know, and it, it just, I don't know, the the whole atmosphere around that football club is or you know that around that particular element of the football club is is different right now and I, I think that's what feels significant you know as, as you say you know they've they've increased attendances this season they're looking to increase those further you know hopefully that will lead to you know a match at Carra Road which I know is something you've you know you've touched on in recent articles for the Pink and it there's just something really nice and I, I think you know taking children to that environment and them, you know, being wide-eyed as perhaps, you know, a Tash Snelling will walk past and just fist bump, you know, kind of a couple of the kids or just say hello or stop for autographs whilst they're on the pitch, you know, kind of, it's just, it's a, it's a completely different experience, but one in which, you know, it's, it's really affordable, which, you know, in, in the times that we live in right now, um, you know, it's, it's something to bear in mind for everyone. And it's something that you can feel really engaged with really quickly because, you know, the, the, basically the CSF, the football club, the players 
are all on that journey with you. And, you know, and, and I, as I say, I would encourage anyone to get down there, um, you know, kind of, a, I think the next it might be a game on the 18th of December, actually, um, from memory. But, you know, against and it's quite a big one, I think, against Hashtag United, who are top of the league. But, yeah, get yourselves down there um, because I guarantee you will have an excellent afternoon. Yeah, what I'm going to do now is um, put in some some audio from Sunday uh, from chats with Sean Howes and, and Megan Todd. They speak about this season. They speak obviously about uh, the game. It was a three two win in the end for them. As John referenced, they've they've got a pretty tough draw in the, in the next round away to Burnley, um, and 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 that is probably as tough as it would be for for the men's first team at any point. But that will be a good challenge for them. Burnley are a league higher, aren't they? So that's that's going to be a challenge in itself. We're obviously speaking before that draw was made, but here's uh, here's a little bit of audio for, from them guys and as John said if you haven't got yourself down to the nest yet uh, you definitely should uh, check it out just just to cover for me I mean the, the character of your team to, to keep going even when they, they did con- well they conceded pretty quickly after they, they equalised to respond to that and, and the man that they did late on you, you must be really really proud of, of them so proud you know, I've, I've always been proud of them whether we win lose draw or, or what we do because they work really hard um, so they deserve the, the credit they get um, but yeah, it did show a little bit of character. Um, we, we we knew that if we if we raised the intensity, we'd we'd, we'd break them down, especially out wide. Um, I think our midfield three were brilliant. I think our front three, well, everyone was brilliant, and they deserved it. It's just it just took a little bit longer than uh, I wanted. There, there does feel a real positivity around the women's team at the moment. You, you mentioned the growing attendance is 350 again here today. Do, do you feel that as well? Do you feel there is a, a kind of growing positivity and, and and growing optimism, I suppose, around the women's team? Definitely, I think so. But you look at look at how approachable they are, how available they are. They just they're just lovely people, um, and they take the time to speak to the, to the supporters. They sign things, and then they put the effort on the pitch. So yeah, yeah, the, the positivity is great. We just got to keep making sure that we keep working as hard as, as we do because uh, we know we're not good enough to stop working and, and not and not do well. So yeah, I'm 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 really happy today. Mm, just a couple more from me. I mean, you, you said about kind of raising the profile of it. A cup run helps with that, doesn't it? Particularly if you could, as as, as Jack says, there get a, a WSL team in, in the fourth round. Yeah, it'd be difficult, but yeah, it's, yeah, and, yeah. We just got to keep winning games. We just got to keep enjoying it. We just got to keep putting on the show because it's 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 good to watch. You know, it was a, it was a close game, but I think it was a good game to watch. I think they they put everything into it. We put everything into it. So, and that's that's cup football. So we're really pleased. And like I said, we'll just keep working hard and trying to trying to keep improving, improving, improving because because we, we can be better. Yeah, we we spoke at the end of, or towards the end of last season. I think it was before you you managed to, to pull off that great escape. Do you feel that the momentum has continued into this season because it's been a, a really positive campaign so far? Yeah, I think so. I think like I said last season there was there was there was several factors why we didn't. You know, the girls never stopped trying, um, and they never they never give up. You know, you know, players could have walked away when it was really tough. Players could have sacked it off. Players could have pretended to be injured, but they didn't. And that's the one thing we've got in this is togetherness. We are in it together. You know, the girls on the pitch, or sorry, the girls that are on as subs, they're disappointed not to get on. If, rightly so, but they'll be there, and we know we can rely on them. So yeah, we've got a great togetherness, and that's the one thing I wanted to create create this togetherness that that, that they just love being together. So yeah, and, and you can see that on the pitch. What's it like to play in this team at the moment? Because it feels like there's a, a real amount of optimism around this this team at this moment in time. Yeah, it's competitive. Uh, I think that's the difference this season is that you're competing. You know if you have one bad game, there's someone ready to take your, your slot. But we're, I think coming out of end of last season, we stuck together. And when we stuck together, we went and got results. And that's we kind of carried into this season some new additions. And that's just allowed us to to be more together we back each other on the pitch we know how each other play um, and that togetherness is showing on the pitch fighting for each other 
so many bodies on the line there, you know, especially when it's not your best game of football, you've still just got to put your body on the line and hopefully, you know, you get lucky. And I, I think, you know, the pens were penalties, but, you know, yeah, got the result. Yeah, I mean, how big is the support here as well? Because it has it has grown this season. The amount of people coming to watch you, the atmosphere here is 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 great. Uh, imagine in games like this, where you need that extra few percent, they're they're really beneficial. Oh, the fans have been one of the biggest difference this season. Um, it was an away game. I think we lost to Chesham, and it was so quiet. I'm not saying that's the reason we lost, but that's when you're like, wow, the fans really make a difference. And you know, we're two one down, but they're still cheering us. You hear the kids screaming. Um, and they, they kind of push you through that last bit. You know you have to perform. You know, how, you know you have to push yourself. And, yeah, it was a great game for them to watch mm. today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, your, your manager spoke there and described you and, and your teammates as, as role models. Do, do you feel that? Is that something that you're, you're conscious of in, in your role as an Norwich City women's player? Yeah, definitely. Um, I also oversee the girls' program at the foundation. So a lot of the girls come and watch. Yeah. So if I don't do it on the pitch, <laughs> they'll, they'll be telling me off at the coaching yeah. session. So, yeah, but... No, everyone's a role model here. Um, you know, there's, it's so nice to see you know some young girls, even young lads as well, loving certain players, and, and that just gives the players that bit of confidence. Um, it makes them feel special, and that's when if someone feel special, they're going to play their best football. Mm, absolutely, just final one for me. I mean, we, we talk about the FA Cup and the, and the magic around it. Do, do you feel that as a player being involved in it, and, and how important is it? Because we speak about kind of raising profiles and raising awareness around the women's game. Do you feel this is this or getting a run in this competition is a really good opportunity to do that? Yeah, I think since I've been here, this is the first proper run in the FA Cup we've had. But just everything around it is bigger. You know, the the prize behind it. The teams, the atmosphere. Um, yeah, it was a real proper cup game today. Um, and yeah, I think it just shows how much women's football is growing. Um, and now the chance to maybe draw a, a good team, maybe a, full te- a full-time team, that's exciting. So that's why we play the FA Cup. Good stuff. Excellent. Lovely. Thank no you very much. Thank you very much. Thank- There we go. So that was uh, Sean Howes and Megan Todd speaking after their second round uh, FA Cup win on Sunday. Um, Adam, just to, to get your thoughts on it, because uh, we, we've spoken and just to, to finish really on, on the women's team, John referenced it. I've written a piece on it. A game at Carrow Road, that feels like the next logical step, doesn't it, in terms of the, their, their development? They've, they've grown so much in terms of attendances and league standings. And we've spoken about the progression in terms of their football now opening themselves up to a game at Carrow Road, opening the gates to Carrow Road, letting more people watch them, letting more people experience it, letting those, I, I've described it as letting them have their moment in the sun for this group of players, some of which have had to endure really tough times playing for Norwich City. And a lot of them have done it out of love rather than the, than any kind of finance and, and, and nor, nor, nor will there be, I suspect, for, for a period of time, um, which is a different debate in itself. It feels like for Norfolk football, before you, stretch it out to Norwich City, a game for the women at Carrow Road would be a really positive step. And that's before you consider anything around the amount of people that will come to watch, etc. Yeah, I don't usually give Ipswich Town much credit, but they've obviously had a really successful time with with their women's team and they've obviously played at Portman Road. And it feels like that could be the route that Norwich should take to to maybe build on this women's football fever that we've all had since sort of the summer and the success of the, the Euros and then bringing it home and Obviously, seen Jill Scott as well on I'm a Celebrity recently. That really feels like sort of the engagement with the women's game at the moment is, is so strong. So I sort of hark back to the 
period sort of about six or seven years ago now where Norwich really successfully brought in um, free tickets for the under-21s games and the atmospheres and the numbers of attendees they were getting for that were, were so strong. And I'd love to see the club sort of do something similar with the women's game, maybe make it a free or free game or free ticket for, for fans and try and get as many people there as possible. And you'd have to feel that that could be a route to, to build in attendances at the Nests for, for further games and probably the engagement with the women's team. But I'd really like to see as well the club sort of at half-time during, during men's games sort of maybe give the, the women's team a little bit more recognition. I've not really heard a lot about it, particularly at Carrow Road. It's maybe not in sort of the programme as sort of such a clear place where maybe fans would see it so I think that's probably another route that the club should be looking at to, to try and build what really is an exciting opportunity I've not personally been yet to the nest but it's on my list to, to try and get down there definitely before the end of the season and I'm really excited to see what they're building down there. John I mean you've touched upon it a game at Cow Road what, what are your thoughts on that as, as being a next step I guess as, as Adam touched upon there are other areas as well that need improvement and uh, obviously the appointment of Flo Allen that was made in the summer is a, is a positive commitment, I suppose, to growing that area of, of the club. And that's probably been seen in some of the, the progression that they've made this season as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Flo comes in and she's got a wealth of experience in women's football and, and you know, football itself, that she she's professionalised the operation, I think. She's really helped, you know, kind of Sean Howes. They're now training, you know, once a week at, at Colney. They train twice a week rather than the once a week that they were last season. So it, it just feels like everything's geared up towards them being a much um, much more committed and, and competent outfit. Um, the Carrow Road thing is really, really interesting. You know, as a supporters group, you know, like I obviously, you know, kind of represent Alonkham Norwich. Um, we're big champions of the women's game and, and, and really want to see our, our women's side be massively successful. We've spoken to the club about that kind of thing. And initially the start of the season, it was kind of, I think they felt like, well, maybe that will be a bit too much too soon. And, and possibly, you know, kind of some of the players might not be ready for it or might freeze or, and look, I think watching those, those is, players is that on, fair, on Sunday. Is that, is no, that I don't fair? think it is fair. It I don't think it's fair. fair. Well, I think on, on two fronts, one, I think that, you know, they're all incredibly capable and, you know, kind of in front of a, a crowd of a few hundred people was absolutely not an issue at all. And sometimes actually when you've got that more intimate crowd and you can hear everything that everyone's saying, that's, you know, kind of even more difficult to deal with, isn't it? Because, you, you know, you can single people can single you out. But, you know, there was none of these players are, are going to struggle to to deal in a, in a, you know, a bigger environment. Some of them will have played there already. You know, the, the aforementioned Katie Knights and Rebecca Russell played there for Wyndham, you know, back end of last season in the County Cup final. So that's not going to be an issue for for players like them. Um, so I think it was maybe the club just trying to say, look, let's build this gradually. Let's not run before we can walk. Let's build the crowds at the nest and then let's do it when we're ready. But I think the noises that you hear now around the club are that, I would be really surprised if there isn't a game at Carrow Road before the end of the season for the women. And look, they fully deserve it. There might even be more than one. And I think the club really want to do it right, though. I think that's the thing. is It's not just as simple as just saying, right, well, let's get them there. And, and you know, hopefully, you know, a few thousand people will turn up or 10,000 people will turn up to support them. They really want to market it properly. They want to give themselves time. They want to give the, the team the profile that it deserves. And look, let's be honest, they probably want to pick a fixture that they're going to win so that all of those thousands of people that attend have that bug to go back. So does money come need... into it, do you feel? Do you think there's a there's a financial element to this? I'm I'm not so sure there is. Look, you know, you saw it on on Sunday. There's a commitment to, you know, kind of putting a, 
a number of stewards up there. Actually, you know, I, I don't actually think that will come into it. The the club have, you know, look, they, they've appointed someone in Flo Allen. You know, that that's a significant investment, you know, kind of in a, in a person to come in and, and drive the business, um, you know, of the women's football club. They're committed to, to having stewarding up at the nest, which wasn't something that was in place. It was, you know, kind of completely volunteers last season. I don't think it would be a massive, massive commitment, you know, kind of it's not like the, you know, the rigours of a, a championship or a, a Premier League fixture. I, you know, I very much doubt that they would be opening up all four stands, you know. So I, I think it's, I don't think it's financial. I think it's that they want to get it right when they do it. That's the noises that I hear. And I appreciate that. But I just think maybe the weekend just gone when you didn't have a men's fixture to compete with might have been the weekend. And it, maybe that was a bit of a missed opportunity um, because, as you say, it was the second highest attendance at the Nest. And the Nest, there are all sorts of logistical issues for people, you know, in terms of getting there and public transport, especially on a Sunday as well. So, um, no, I don't, I don't think it is money. I think that would be doing the club a disservice. I think it, it is purely that they, they want to be considered about their approach and they want to get it right. Um yeah, it's certainly not with the pace that, that I'd have liked to have seen. And, and you know, let's hope that they get there two or three times before the end of the season. Just for clarity and to keep myself out of trouble, I was just asking the question. I wasn't suggesting it was financial, just just in, just in case, just to clarify <laughs> that um, as well. But, but I think you're right. It is important that it's done properly. I mean, my view is this. They, they play they've, they play under 21 games there. They, they've hosted a charity game there this season. Why not the women? Why, why shouldn't the women be able to play that? And if done properly, and, you know, absolutely it should be done properly, I think Norwich fans would really take to it as well. And, and I think actually they'd, they'd probably get a better attendance than maybe they, they feel that they will at this moment in time. Um, and of course, naturally, success helps with that, right? So if they could get to a stage where uh, it was an FA Cup fourth round game, for example, against a really good um, team, a, a Super League team even perhaps, or um, towards the end of the season where promotion was on the line, then maybe that becomes perhaps a bit more of a natural opportunity and I'm sure it will it will um it will take some some consideration as well um guys just to finish with then uh, I think we're planning on doing another pod next hopefully we've got stuff to talk about and we've not just burnt through all our topics this week but we'll see how we get on um Adam let's start with you just as we begin to maybe shift our focus back towards the championship um what do you, what are you hoping to see at Swansea in terms of performance? What what elements of performance are you going to be looking for when we arrive at the, is it still the Liberty Stadium? I think we can still call it the Liberty Stadium. Um, when we arrive there, what are you hoping to see from Norwich City that perhaps you haven't seen um, in, in the first half of the season or so? Well, I think it's the Swansea.com or Swansea.net. Is it? Right, okay. Something along those lines. Basically, I stand corrected. They've done a, they've done a reading with the, uh, the change of names, but it, it is the Liberty Stadium. Um, yeah. Quite, just hoping that Norwich can perform for a more sustained period of time than, than 20 minutes in a game. That's probably the, the first thing I want to see. I want to see improvements across the board. I mean, they've obviously had this Tampa trip, which Dean Smith spoke about. You know, that's the opportunity that he's sort of got with the players to, to really drill in what he's maybe not seen so far this season. I, I just want to see them be better in the final third. I think there's been points in recent games where maybe they've had opportunities and in the final third they've been wasteful. I mean, even sort of that Middlesbrough game, there was... Ono Hernandez has been quite frustrating at different points this season in terms of finishing and Pugis maybe lacked the service that he maybe thrives upon in, in the championship in previous times. So I want to sort of see just general improvements in, in the final third and 
Uh, well, I mean, the mistakes that we've made so far this season seem to be a, a regularity in every single game. So hoping that maybe that's been drilled into the players and we start to see those eradicated a bit more. Because otherwise, yeah, I fear that this season could end quite negatively in terms of where Norwich City are going and hopefully that this sort of break, which I think they probably needed, um, can maybe be the re, sort of revitalising moment and Norwich can kick on and, and try and push up the table rather than down. Uh, John, final word for you. I mean, the, when we when we come back and resume the championship season, there's there's going to be no excuses, is there? I mean, Norwich, uh, as far as we're aware, unless obviously we, we sit down at the press conference and are told otherwise, they're going to have a near fully fit squad. Josh Sargent is, is the only player who's not with them. There are a few players that haven't been in Tampa, led to believe that's for vaccination um, status reasons rather than, than anything fitness related at, at this stage. Um that, that that's the point though isn't it there's, there's going to be no excuses we, we I guess if you're Dean Smith now or if you're someone in Norwich City's hierarchy looking for a portion of the season to assess and the block of games from when they come back till about February looks quite difficult in terms of teams that they're facing this is going to be a really important interesting period and, and block of games not just for Norwich City but also for Dean Smith I suppose. Yeah, I think for these the first five or six fixtures um, from when we're back after this break, I think we'll we'll define our season. They will they will shape where Norwich City end up. And Dean Smith has been really clear that he knows where Norwich City's deficiencies lie. He's laid them out, you know. And I think anyone listening to his press conferences won't necessarily disagree with what he's saying. They're just a little bit frustrated that he hasn't been able to find a formula, um, you know, with which to fix our particular frailties. And and that's the bit that has to change, isn't it? You know, that's the bit where, you know, Norwich have to play with a bit more purpose. They have to be better in terms of their pressing. They have to be better in terms of their concentration. And if they're not, this unravels really quickly. But if they are, it could be, a, you know, a really successful season. And I don't think anyone can say with any kind of confidence which way they, you know, they think it will go. Uh, because there's there's a, a year's worth of, of evidence to suggest maybe the, the, this group of players aren't as engaged as, as perhaps they should be. But equally, there's just there's just moments where it all clicks. And the mitigation for, for this particular squad of players this season is that, you know, if you look at someone like Isaac Hayden, he was rushed back into duty. If you look at, you know, Sam McCallum, he was rushed back into duty. Same with, you know, um, Demetrius Yanoulis. You know, there, there, was, there was particular positions, um, you know, kind of on the pitch where, Norwich City just had to make do. Um, you know, Kenny McLean was deputising at left back. Liam Gibbs was was forced to play an extended period of time. You know, in this side when no one really expected him to to have to be able to do that. You know, because of absentees, those excuses are gone now. You know, we should be seeing a Norwich City side that resembles our best eleven, if we know what that is yet. And everyone should be expecting that they can perform and they can compete and they, you know, they can go and do things. And if they don't. It is a failure of management and of that we can be of no doubt. Indeed. Gents, thank you very much. Adam, thank you very much as always. John, thank you very much. Great guest appearance. You've brought some fashion to the pod as well with uh, what is a, a brilliant turtleneck, um, which people won't be able to, to see. It's, it's a green colour, isn't it? But... It's just my warmest jumper. So, so, so I don't have to turn the heating on today. That's It's just out of necessity, Connor. Nothing else. <laughs> Well, you look marvellous. You look marvellous. Thank, Thank you, you very much for, for joining us. Thank you all very much for listening. We're hoping to be back next week, providing there's uh, enough to talk about, which is always the caveat. So uh, come on USA on Saturday. Uh, and of course, be interesting to see what England do against Senegal on Sunday as well. Um, I hope you're enjoying your break and we'll uh, see you again very, very soon. Thanks for listening.